Well, hello and welcome back to Moments with Moni. I'm so glad you're here where you can find practical help for the heart and home as we ponder life from a biblical perspective, as well as a weekly digital dose of discipling to help equip us to be better effective in the opportunities that God places before us to further his kingdom. Hello again, and welcome back to Moments with Moni. This is episode number 160. Well, if you've been following along, we've been going through the book of Ephesians, and we finished chapters 1, 2, and 3. In all of that, the Apostle Paul covered our place in the heavenlies, our position in Christ. And he told us of all the wealth that is being held in store for us in heaven. And we were also told of the mighty power of God that raised Christ from the dead that is available for us here and now, even though we live on this earth and our inheritance is in heaven. As children of God, we are privileged, extremely privileged on this earth to walk in his ways, to walk with hope in our hearts, because we know this is not the end. We have a heavenly home that Jesus is preparing for us so that we can be there with God forever, just as he intended to begin with. But wait, these are only promises for those who have accepted Christ as their Savior. So anyone else who's listening that has not done that yet, you're still sitting on the sidelines, and none of this is available to you until you choose to surrender your heart to Jesus. For a quick recap of Ephesians chapter 3, Warren Wearsby has something here that uh, helps us understand the difference between the theological chapters of 1 through 3 and then 4 through 6 being the more practical and application of those beginning chapters. In 1 through 3, he considers those our wealth. We're called by grace and raised from the dead, and reconciled to God, and he explains Christ's victory over Satan. In chapters 4 through 6, he considers that our walk. We are to walk worthy in unity, put off grave clothes, and walk in purity. We are to walk in harmony with each other, and walk in victory. And only through the Holy Spirit are those things possible. Thankfully, we have been promised that Holy Spirit, that comforter to our souls. As soon as Jesus left this earth, he sent the Holy Spirit to comfort us and to speak to our hearts, to help us to follow God. Because of all these things, we are privileged in Jesus. We are a privileged people. And because of all that privilege, we have a responsibility to obey God's word. The Old Testament required that God's people would follow him in obedience to his word. In the New Testament, we are to respond out of love and do the things that God has in his word for us out of love for him. So as we begin in chapter 4, we'll see that because of those privileges, there are some things that we need to look at, a bit of self-examination. Paul will speak about some of the godly characteristics that are part of his God's children, being humility and gentleness, patience and bearing with one another in love. And we are to walk in the unity of the Spirit and use the gifts that we've been given 
of the Spirit. Now that we've looked at our position in the heavenlies, we need to come down off that mountain and walk right down into this world that is demon-possessed. And we have examples of that when we turn on the news or sometimes even just walk outside our front door. So we're going to take what we've learned and apply it to our life so that we can walk worthy of the vocation that God has called us to out in this world and share what God has already made clear through his spirit to us so that we can share the gospel with others and we can share God's love and we can share God's truth because one day we will leave this earth. And for right now, it's our job to share that good news with as many as we can. Ephesians chapter 4 begins about the unity of the spirit. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you all are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Remember, Paul is writing all of these things down for the Ephesians and for us today as well from a prison cell. He was on house arrest, and yet he considers himself a prisoner of the Lord. We often think that Bible characters don't suffer problems like we do. And yet Paul was walking through his own issues in life. And yet here he is reminding us to have our head in the heavenlies so that we can be earthly good. We are being beseeched or urged greatly to walk worthy of the vocation that we've been called to. This vocation is we are saved. We are now part of the body of Christ and we are to walk in God's ways and Paul is explaining that how we do this is important. He's saying that lowliness of mind and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, all these things are important as we walk in this life, both towards our brothers and sisters and to those outside of the church. We're being urged to walk in humility, to think of others greater than ourselves, to walk in no envious manner, and then gentleness or meekness. And don't confuse meekness with weakness. We are to walk in patience and be long-suffering with others and to bear with others in love. We are to put up with them, and they are to put up with us, with affectionate love. Consider these the four legs of a chair. We need all four for a balanced life in Jesus, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in these ways. Life is not a pretty sight without them, because self or flesh might get in the way and destroy our unity in Christ. Sometimes we forget part of verse 3. We are to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's not unity at all costs. That seems to be the rallying cry of many, but it is important to keep the unity of the Spirit And this is what keeps peace in the body of Christ. And why is this so important? Well, I think Galatians chapter 5 verse 15 gives us an answer to that. 
It says, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Paul goes on to talk about the one body, the one spirit, the one hope, the one faith, the one baptism, the one God and Father of all. And then in verse 7, he says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So we are to walk in unity in the body. However, there's also a uniqueness in each of us because of the measure of gifts that we've been given in Christ. To help see that picture a little more clearly, picture a landscape covered in snow, completely white and frozen. Oh, reminds me I'm thankful to be in the South now. But if we look at that white landscape as a body, it's all white, it's all cold, it's all beautiful to some. And yet each of the snowflakes that fell from the sky are uniquely different. And yet when they all combine together to blanket the landscape as one, they've all done their job to change the season from fall to winter. Verse 8 continues and is taken from Psalm 68 verse 18 as an illustration of Christ giving spiritual gifts to his church. The Old Testament picture of God is a victorious warrior returning to Mount Zion, where he ascended up on high, leading Israel's defeated foes in a triumphal procession. And here in verse 8, it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. After Jesus died and rose again, he sent the Holy Spirit, and he also gave us gifts as a body of Christ to use within that body so that we can share the gospel as a body, so that these gifts can also unify us in one purpose, and that is to share the gospel. The good news that Jesus loves us, that he wants us to be with the Father in heaven forever, that God never wanted any of this. He made Adam and Eve, and he put them in the garden in perfection, and he dwelt with them, and that's what he wants again. And he's made a way for that to happen. If only our hearts would surrender to him and walk in his ways and accept Jesus and the free gift of salvation that he is offering. And then we can walk in the newness of life in Jesus. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. We are to use these gifts so that we can grow up in them, grow in maturity, in instruction of the word, in sound doctrine, 
and use them in a loving manner. The more familiar we are with the truth, the less we are to be deceived by a lie. Verse 15 says, But speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up into him all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Phew, King James Version. I love it, but sometimes I even get tongue-tied when I'm trying to read it. If we use our gifts the way that God intends us to use them, as a body, not in isolation, if we use them together, all fitly joined together, and compacted like that white landscape of all the individual snowflakes becoming one body, we can edify one another, encourage one another, as we walk in this demon-possessed world. Verse 17 says, This I say, therefore, oh, wait, therefore, so you have to stop and think, what just came before? The new life in Christ and all these spiritual gifts. Keep all that in mind. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, Paul says, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their own mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto laxiviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now remember here, before we go into this, that We can't walk pridefully into this because we were all once like this without Jesus. He was talking about the Gentiles who are not in Christ and they walk in the vanity of their own mind, the futility, the emptiness of their own understanding, of their own thoughts. And their understanding, their own thoughts are darkened by the enemy who leads them to a life without God forever. And in so doing... Their hearts are hardened against God, and yet even beyond hardened, their hearts have become callous, and they start to do whatever they want to. Laxivious. Wait a minute. Laxivious. Nope, didn't get it. Laxiviousness. There it is. It just sounds so bad in the King James Version. And it is. It basically means they do whatever they want to do, but... We in Christ, we have not learned that. We have learned differently. Verse 20, but you have not so learned in Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversations or conduct of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Woohoo! Yeah. Put away all those former things that we thought of and we've done because they're not part of us anymore as we walk in Christ. We now are in Jesus and we put off or put away that former conduct of the things that we have done. And we are renewed in the spirit of our mind. We are washed with the water of the word. 
Now, I know I'm using a lot of Bible terms here. As we read our Bible, we get more and more familiar with these things. As babes in Christ, I know we need milk, but eventually we need to eat meat, and we need to know what the entire counsel of God is. Take time to read through the Bible completely, a little bit at a time. Eventually, you'll get from the beginning to the middle to the end, and you'll have the whole thing inside your mind. And then keep digging deeper and deeper. I think we'll still keep learning when we get to heaven. And after we've put away all those old things, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Don't be angry, Be not angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needs. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Oh, how wonderful. Paul recaps everything that he just said. So after you put away all those bad things, the lying, the anger, the stealing, put on the good things. After you don't use your mouth for corrupt communication anymore, use it for good, like sharing God's word from a podcast. Put off the old man and put on the new. And in so doing, We won't be grieving the Holy Spirit because we are sealed with him unto the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is within us as a believer. And whatever sin we take part in, we are including the Holy Spirit in that. That grieves him. So put away that bitterness and the anger and evil speaking and backbiting and all those things. And what does he end the chapter with? This is how we are to walk one with another in the body of Christ. These are the practical insights of all the theological things that have been shared in chapters 1 to 3. This is the application that we are to make from those things to our hearts today. Be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted towards one another. Forgive one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. So let's boldly walk worthy of our daddy and make him proud. If you enjoy what you're hearing here on the podcast, I invite you to share it with a friend. I also invite you to go to the blog at momentswithmoni.com where you can buy me a coffee or support me through a monthly membership. Just hit the big yellow button on the blog. Thanks again for listening to Moments with Moni.